Welcome. This is Salty Therapy, and my name is Tammy. I'm a licensed clinical social worker with a private practice. However, this podcast is not intended to be used in place of professional treatment. It is intended for encouragement, information, and entertainment. So what is a podcast? I guess it's a means of communicating, communicating information, stories, humor, right? Well, today, that's exactly what we're going to be talking about is communicating. We're communicating all day, every day, even when we're not fully aware that it's happening. And just because you're talking doesn't mean you're communicating. So today we're going to talk about the different ways we communicate and some tips on how to communicate in order to hear and be heard. So there's four different types of communication. Uh, They would be passive, aggressive, passive aggressive, and assertive. So let's take a scenario such as you feel like the person you're speaking to is not listening to you. A passive communicator might say, you aren't listening. An aggressive communicator would say, you better start listening to me. A passive aggressive communicator might say, do you need Q-tips so that you can hear what I'm saying? And then an assertive communicator might say, I need you to hear what I'm saying because it is important to me. So what I need to say in reference to these four categories is it isn't just the words you're using. If you noticed, my tone of voice changed, uh, volume may change, and also think about the nonverbal um, cues that are showing up, the nonverbal communication that's showing up. It might be eyes rolling back in the head. Um, clenching your fists, hanging your head down low, uh, laughing when it's not appropriate, um, turning away and walking away, uh, not making eye contact, stomping your feet, tapping something over and over again, which shows you're getting irritated or you're getting anxious, or it could be just misinterpreted all the way around. There are so many ways that we communicate with our bodies, with our tonality, with our volume, and with our words that it it can often be complicated to know if we're doing it right. There's so many things to think about, right? So you have to begin somewhere. You have to set an intention and decide what kind of communicator you want to be. And then you have to practice all of those skills, all of those areas, whether it's the words you're choosing, the timing, your tone of voice, your volume, you have to choose all of those things. And then you have to begin to practice and implement them. And, and you have to be in a safe relationship with somebody that you can say, when you find me going into a sarcastic tone, would you tell me and be willing to receive it when they do? Because if you've been doing that type of communicating for long enough, you may not even realize you're doing it. And you need somebody that you can trust who can put a mirror up and bring it to your attention. 
Now, another thing that comes up in communication are something called defense mechanisms. And defense mechanisms can make it difficult to communicate and to be heard, because that's what communicating is about, right? We want to hear, we want to hear what the person is saying most of the time, um, but we always want to be heard. We want to know that what we're saying is being received or what we're saying is at least being heard. So we often use defense mechanisms because we're either uncomfortable with the topic or we're uncomfortable with with the person we're speaking with. Um, we may not like confrontation or difficult conversations. Um, it may be that it's been modeled for us right? Defense mechanisms may have been modeled for us by our parents as we were growing up or our friend group, and we never broke the habit. Um, maybe we have never been told that we're doing it, right? I just talked about speaking in a sarcastic tone and not having an awareness that you're doing it and needing somebody in your life that you can trust who can bring it to your attention, the problem with defense mechanisms is that it can get in the way of vulnerability and authentic conversations, and it can get in the way of reaching your goals. So let's look at some examples of the defense mechanisms um, that I find show up quite often. Um, and they're there's so many more. I mean, I would I would have to do three or four podcasts to go over them and you would probably be bored out of your mind at that point. So we're going to stick with um we're going to stick with just four today. We're going to look at sarcasm, humor, sexualizing and avoidance. Now these are just examples of defense mechanisms and they may not be pertinent to you or you may know somebody that it shows up in. But having an awareness of what they are, um, I think is important. And so you can um, think about other ways that you might be uh, putting blockades in place that keep you from communicating effectively. So sarcasm. I used an example earlier. Do you need Q-tips so you can hear what I'm saying? There's sarcasm, right? And sarcasm, when it's done in a passive-aggressive manner, um, can bite. And a lot of people use dry humor, sarcastic humor, um, you know, when they're being entertaining or telling a joke or, or something like that. And that's fine. But when you're communicating about a, a topic or communicating with somebody that it has some value to it, it's not just having fun and playing around. Um, sarcasm can, it can be painful. It can hurt somebody. Humor. Again, humor in its appropriate time and an appropriate um, environment is perfectly fine. But when you're trying to actively communicate, when you're trying to communicate and be heard and, and to be able to hear, making a joke out of things is not going to get you very far. And a lot of people turn to humor when they're uncomfortable. They make jokes out of it. They laugh. Um, they, they try to deflect attention by creating something funny to say, oh, look over here. It's it's smoke and mirrors, right? I'm going to skip sexualizing for a second and go to avoidance. A lot of people use avoidance. 
Um, and it's usually because they're either uncomfortable having those uncomfortable conversations or confrontational conversations, um, or they know what is getting ready to be said, and they don't want to talk about it. They don't want to face it. They don't want to own it. Um, maybe they don't know what to say, and so they avoid it altogether. Um, maybe they know there's going to be some consequences coming their way, and they don't want to accept that, and so they avoid the conversation. So avoidance can show up in a way that says, uh, you know, I- I'm not talking to you about this. Or, um, I can't, I can't hear this right now. Um, it, it, they could simply walk out, walk out on the conversation altogether. Um, have you ever been speaking to somebody and all of a sudden you notice that their eyes are glassed over? They've, they've disappeared. They've shut down. There's avoidance right there. So sexualizing. A lot of people, when you say sexualizing in terms of a defense mechanism, may think of women, right? Women can become coy and go, oh, you know, I'm sorry, you know, use the little girl voice, maybe bat her eyes, uh, crying to get out of a ticket. These are, these are um, stereotypical behaviors that might be seen as sexualizing from a female um, point of view. But keep in mind that men sexualize um, just as much as women do. Um, Men will, you know, physically posture themselves into a position where it might show their physique, right? And it would be a, it would be a, um, a distraction. Uh, they may have one of those smiles that they know when they smile that smile that, you know, people lose track of what they're saying, uh, specifically when they're speaking to the opposite sex. And that's what's happening in sexualizing. It usually doesn't occur in same sex conversations because women know women and they're, they're going to call it out, right. Or ignore it. Um, and the same thing with men. But, you know, men may uh, give that smile and and try to be charming and, and you know, be uh, complimentary to the woman he's speaking to. And, and uh, so this way it, it softens your um, conversation because now you, you, oh, you don't want to confront him because look how cute he looks and, or how sweet he's being or, um, it may even be that he is posturing in a way that makes himself look bigger and stronger. And so it's intimidating, right? So um, that would be sexualizing. And really think about your behaviors. Think about the way you communicate. Um, and and you may see that you do some of those things, Um So let's talk about what active listening is. I've mentioned this term um, earlier. Active listening is you are fully focused on the person that is communicating to you. Now, what I mean by that is that you are listening to what they are saying, that you haven't started thinking about your response to what they're saying while they're still speaking. 
Because if you're thinking about your response, then you're missing some of the things that they're saying. You may be missing tone of voice. You may be missing some of the language. You may be missing some of the body language. So you're not actively listening. You cannot be actively listening if you're texting on your phone at the same time. You cannot be actively listening if you are um, preparing a meal at the same time that someone is talking. You need to be 100% focused on the person that's speaking to you, making eye contact, looking at them, um, listening to what they're saying, and even be prepared for um, the opportunity to say is what I heard you say is, and being able to paraphrase back to them what you heard them say what the main points were, what they really wanted you to hear. And if what you paraphrase back to them, they go, no, 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 that's not what I said. Then the question has to be asked, did the communicator communicate themselves clearly enough? Did they pick the right words? Were they... um did they get too wordy and lose you in all of the, in all of the, um, we call it dead wood, right? Did they get to the point? Did they use facts? Did they let their emotions get the better of them? Um, so that's a question to ask. The second question is, did you as the listener actually tune in? Did you listen or did you glaze over? Did you start thinking about what you need to do and you wish this conversation was over? Did you get anxious or uncomfortable in the conversation and did that cloud your ability to fully listen? So that statement, what I heard you say is or was and repeat back, and I wouldn't repeat it back verbatim. Number one, that's too much pressure on somebody to try to remember verbatim what was said. Um, but in paraphrasing what they said, it really speaks to, I did listen to you, I took it in, and this is how I interpreted it, right? So if, if it was not clear, and you've determined that the communicator did not communicate it well, now they have an opportunity to practice their communication skills. They have an opportunity to, to say it in, in a clearer way, in a more direct way. Um, and you as the listener, if it's on your end, or it may be both, you have the opportunity to listen better. Maybe they need to um, break break down what they're saying into chunks because they may be um, unloading a, a bucket full of stuff at one time. And that's impossible to keep track of the, the whole way through. Okay. So um, active listening is imperative if you want to be a good communicator. Now, here's some tips. Tips for active listening. Number one, keep it clear and concise clear and concise. So here would be a template that you might use if somebody has done something that has left you feeling a certain way or or left you uh, feeling offended, for example. Um, so the template is when you, whatever the activating event is, I feel whatever your feelings are. And what I need from you is and be very clear on what you need. And then one of the most important parts of this template is, can I get this from you? So let's start from the beginning with that. 
So when you yell at me, I feel scared and disrespected. See, I can use two feeling words there um, because it might startle me. It might scare me a little bit, but it also, I feel disrespected. You shouldn't yell at me. I am a a grown person. Um, And in saying that you feel not only scared, but disrespected, you're giving that person you're speaking to an opportunity to see you as a whole person. What I need from you is to just speak to me assertively. So you're giving them a very clear um, direction on how you need them to move forward from this. You're asking for what you need. Can I get this from you? Why is that so important? Well, it's important because you're not in control of the other person. You're only in control of yourself. And can I get this from you then puts the ball in their court and they have the opportunity to answer yes or no. And you have to accept their answer, whichever one it is. If it's yes, great. Now there's an accountability that comes with that. If it's no, you may not like that answer, but now the ball's in your court and you have the opportunity to decide, do I need to set boundaries with this person? Is this person a healthy person to have in my life? Maybe maybe you're dating somebody and um, say they, they talk poorly about about your friends or they're degrading about your job, right? They don't think that your job is is good enough. And so you say to them, when you when you talk to me about my job um, as if it's no good, I feel disrespected and and unvalued. What I need from you is to either be encouraging with me about my job or don't talk to me about it at all can I get this from you? And if their response is no, because I think your job is stupid and I'm, I'm going to continue to talk to you about it until you make a change. Okay. There he, that person is showing you who he is. And so now you have a real opportunity to say, is this, is this a boundary crosser? Is this a deal breaker? Do I want to be in a relationship with somebody who continues to um, discourage me in an area that I find important in my life? Maybe you think, you know, I respect this person's opinion a lot, and they're not willing for me to sit in this position. They think that I can do more, and I'm interested in exploring that. So you may set a boundary and say, I can't have them in my life. Or you may see them as somebody that you can respect. And maybe they have something valuable to say, and you want to stick it out to see where that goes. It's completely up to you. But the point is that you are having an assertive conversation about something that's really bothering you. Now, what happens if you don't do that? What happens if it's that job scenario and they're constantly saying something to you about your job? Well, over time, if you're not talking about it, you're going to build a resentment. 
you're going to build anger. Eventually, it's going to come out in an unhealthy way. And um, it's going to turn into a fight. And if you've got anger, and you've got resentment, chances of you being open to what they have to say, and that they may have value in something they're saying, and you're listening to that is very slim. You're more than likely not hearing what they're saying. Uh, and, and probably not even open to the idea that they might have something of value to say. Um, if they're just simply being disrespectful and you're not doing anything about it, you're not talking about it, you're not asking for what you need, uh, you're not setting boundaries, then you are going to end up building resentment or or you may be doing some self-harming behavior because you may be allowing that barrage of, of um, discouraging statements or, or put-downs to eventually uh, lower your self-worth, lower your self-esteem, uh, create a sense of um, not feeling confident you know, in your choices or what you do, second guessing yourself, right? And either way, it's not healthy. So really having the conversation right up front and being really clear, being assertive, watching your tone of voice, and also making sure that you really identify the feelings. And I'm not saying when you do this, I feel like, I feel like you're doing this to me. That's not a feeling. A feeling is, I feel angry. I feel sad. I feel happy. Now, I use those particular three um, feelings because that's very um, common feelings that people use. But are you really angry or are you irritated? Are you irritated or are you frustrated? Are you angry or are you enraged? Right? There's a difference. So there's a spectrum for these emotions. Are you sad or are you depressed? Um, are you happy or are you overjoyed? Are you thrilled? So you really want to build your vocabulary as it, as it pertains to your feelings so that you can better communicate where you are in those feelings. Because if somebody's this same scenario, um, when you, I feel what I need from you is, is not just used for uncomfortable situations or for, um, angry or hurt situations. It can be used in positive situations as well, right? So when you give me an attaboy once in a while, I feel really encouraged. What I need from you is to continue to do that. Can I get that from you? So that might be a conversation that you have with a um, uh, a boss or a supervisor, right? Like, I really appreciate it when you come up to me and tell me that I'm doing a good job. I feel appreciated. I feel valued, right? Okay, so another tip. When you are having a conversation especially about something that's important to you. You want to keep it clear and concise. So if you notice, I put when you, and there's a short activating event, when you commend me for doing a good job, that's it. That's clear. That's concise. If you, if you add more to that, 
when you came to me the other day and told me what a great job I did when I put the pencils away in the right order, and then you came back and you told me that blah, 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 right? You're, you're losing the person. You're losing the person and they're not going to hear the rest of the statement I feel and what I need from you. You keep it clear and concise for the purpose of keeping the listener engaged, keeping it clear so that they have a really good understanding of what it is you're saying to them, why you feel that way and exactly what you need so that when it's time for them to answer, they know what they're answering. But if they need more information, can I get this from you might be followed with, I'm not sure I understand what you're talking about. Can you give me an example? Can you tell me what you mean by discouraging you in your job? Why do you think I'm discouraging you about your job? What is it I'm doing? Because that person may not be fully aware of what they're doing, right? They may think that they're being encouraging. They may think that they are um, trying to inspire you to something different, better, bigger. They don't realize they're being discouraging. So when you're telling them they're being discouraging, they, they don't get it. They can't understand what you're talking about. So they may need an example and that's okay. That's where you can add in more detail. That's when you can add in um, more information. Don't do it in the beginning because you don't want to lose your listener. Okay, so the next tip is that you want to stay with the conversation. It takes practice and it takes perseverance. When you're starting out in the beginning, learning how to be a um, a good listener, a good communicator, um, being an assertive communicator, it will be challenging in the beginning. It won't feel natural in the beginning. Um, in fact, it might even feel a little inauthentic because it's not the way you normally speak. And you can tell the people around you that you have most of these conversations with that I'm going to try this new skill. I'm going to try practicing it and, and learn how to speak in a way that's, that's better for you and better for me. And just kind of stick with me, right? Um, but stay with it. Don't, when, when, if you mess up, if you lose track of what you're saying, if the person that's listening to you doesn't understand what you're saying, don't just go, oh, forget it and walk away. There's your avoidance. Stick with it, persevere and give it another try. And you might even ask the person you're communicating with, how can I say it different in a way that you would understand me, right? Um, pick your timing. Timing is absolutely imperative. So if I've had a long day providing therapy to individuals who have had trauma, are dealing with substance abuse, uh, marital counseling, and I come home, and my brain just feels empty at this point. And the second I walk in the door, my husband wants to have an intense conversation about something going on in our world. Probably not a good time. 
I'm probably not going to be in a position to really listen well. And if truth be told, I might even be irritable um, because I'm tired. And I might also be um, less likely to respond in a positive way. I might even go into an aggressive or passive aggressive uh, type of behavior, which of course is not what we want. So pick your timing. Timing is very important. You might even schedule it. Honey, I have something really important we need to discuss. When would be a good time to have that conversation with you today? Right? All right. So assertive communication is a style of communicating It exposes your thoughts. You advocate for your needs in a calm and positive way. And you're able to state your point of view with respect to others and to yourself. So I want to say that again. Assertive communication is a style of communicating that exposes thoughts, advocates for needs in a calm and positive way, and I'm able to state my point of view with respect to others and to myself. Now, one thing that's really important is that you've got to be honest to include owning your own mistakes and admitting to them. And this is important because ultimately what that leads to is trust and loyalty. So it's something that if you've earned somebody's trust and you've earned somebody's loyalty, and then you come to them and say, you're doing this and I, and it leaves me feeling disrespected. It leaves me feeling angry. Um, they are more likely, not always, but in some cases more likely to own their own stuff or to at least be willing to hear what you're having to say. But if you're the person who never owns your things, you're always perfect, you never do anything wrong, the likelihood that somebody is going to respond to you in a positive way is pretty low because they're going to get tired of always taking the blame. You want to show respect to each other when you're communicating. Listen without interrupting. Don't talk over somebody. Let them finish what they have to say. Seek to understand, have an open mind, be willing, try to hear what they're saying, try to understand from their point of view what it is they're talking about. After you've listened and they've completed saying what they need to say, then respond. And if it means that you need to take a second to think about your response, so that you are responding and not reacting, that's okay. But the important thing is you wait until they're finished so that you can actively listen throughout and then respond. If you are not sure of what's being talked about or you're lost in some area, then ask for clarification. Ask for examples. What did you mean when you said this? Um, don't judge. The minute you start going into a judgmental place is the minute that you are not listening, you are not actively listening, and more likely to react than respond. 
Be approachable when somebody wants to offer feedback. Again, we're going to go back to the loyalty and the honesty. If you've built those healthy relationships with people, then be willing to trust that relationship and receive the feedback that they're giving you. Even if this is in the workplace, at some level, you can build a trusting relationship with your supervisor. Sometimes, I know there's always scenarios when that's not true, but maybe you have a coworker. If you can't trust your supervisor, maybe you have a coworker. And the coworker can say to you, when you were speaking to him, I, you really had a disrespectful tone of voice. That's probably why he didn't respond well. And then the last is, do not express negativity such as pride and anger. Those are going to be reactive types of um, positions that you're putting yourself in. You're not responding, you're reacting. I would never do that, right? So there's your pride because they're saying that you did something that you would be so embarrassed to know that you did. And, and instead of owning it, instead of saying, you're right, I did it and I'm embarrassed, you get prideful and go, I would, I would never do that. You completely misunderstood that. In fact, what really happened was, um, or anger, just getting angry because somebody had the audacity to call you on something. Um, and when you get prideful and when you get angry, you react, you bite back, you go into the defense mode. So you want to communicate clearly define your main goal, be short and concise, and then listen more than you talk. Listen more than you talk. In in the rooms of recovery, they talk about taking the cotton out of your ears and putting it in your mouth. That's, that's what they mean. Listen more than you talk. Next is control your emotions. Think before you react. If you take a moment and pause and think about what you want to say, then you're likely not to react. You're going to respond. Try to find positivity in the situation. You're being addressed at work for something. What's the positivity in that? It feels really uncomfortable when it's happening. You might even feel afraid. Am I going to lose my job? Am I going to have my hours cut? Whatever the case is. But the positivity can be, I have an opportunity to learn here. I have an opportunity to show them that I value my job and I'm going to listen to what they're saying and I'm going to do something different. Um, be forward thinking rather than living in the past. We get stuck in the past, whether the past is how we see ourselves, how we view relationships, um, how that person has treated us in the past. If you can let that go for a moment and think about what are my goals moving forward? What do I want out of this moving forward and, and have that forward thinking position? You're going to come out on the winning end. Surround yourself with positive people. Positive energy is contagious. And the more you surround yourself with people who are positive, and I don't just mean they're laughing and joyful all the time, but that they are 
positive thinking, even in the difficult circumstances, right? They see that God is working things out and that, that maybe even in these uncomfortable situations, we're becoming a better version of ourselves. So surround yourself with those kinds of people so that you pick up on that, that energy and that mindset and, and that behavior is modeled for you and you can begin to, um, have the same behaviors and the same outlook and the same, um, the same mindset. And then last about controlling your emotions is practice self-care. If you're not taking care of yourself, if you're not getting enough sleep, if you're not eating enough, if you're not eating often enough um, or properly, um, if you're abusing substances, uh, if you are not taking your medications as prescribed, uh, if you're not taking some downtime, some me time to regenerate and restore yourself, if you're not exercising to reduce stress and to be fit, um, you're not going to be the best communicator that you can be because you're going to be depleted. You're going to be tired. You're going to be stressed. You're going to be hangry. Um, you are not going to have the reserves that you need to take a pause and think about what you say. So you're going to be reactive. You're going to feel like a wounded animal that is somebody's coming up on them. And those wounded animals, they bite. They, they fight back because they feel like they are cornered. So practice self-care. I also want you to remember an acronym. The acronym, the word is THINK, T-H-I-N-K. T, before you say anything, think of these things. T, is it true? H, is it helpful? I, is it inspiring? N, is it necessary? And K, is it kind? So if you know you're going to approach somebody about something and you're thinking about what you want to say to them or how you want to say it, this would be a really good litmus test for you to take. Is what I'm about to say true, helpful, inspiring, necessary, and kind? Right? And then if you need to, if the conversation is difficult and it's, and it's not going the way you would like it to go, it's okay to ask for a timeout. It's okay to say, I think we need to take a timeout. Emotions are running high. Let's walk away from this for 30 minutes and then come back. Or let's walk away from this for an hour and then come back. Now, the important part about that is you come back. You come back in 30 minutes or an hour, whichever time that you've you've set aside. And that gives you a chance. It gives the other person a chance to decompress, to think about what's going on, to think about what you want, and then come back to the conversation in a better place and ready to be assertive again. The goal in communicating effectively is that there will be a win-win ending, that both parties come out of it feeling like they have won something, that, that they've come out of it better than they went into it. 
So thank you for listening to Salty Therapy. And I hope by listening to this podcast that I've challenged you to look at yourself in the way you communicate and listen. Slow down and really have an awareness the next time you have a conversation. And no self-condemnation. You're learning. Own it and move on towards becoming a stronger communicator. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and give me a five-star rating and share it with your friends and family. If you have comments or suggestions for future podcasts, you can also find me at SaltyTherapy.com and at SaltyTherapy on Instagram and Facebook. Peace and joy. See you next week. 